Good morning. How are you guys? You doing good? Well, it's good to be here. It's good to see you guys. If you're wondering what this, uh, why this lid is open for, we're, we're having a baptism, believer's baptism today. It's one of the things we like to do here at El Paso Bible Church. And one of the things that makes us happy too. Uh, so I have a bulletin here without a stance. I'm trying to uh, balance this. Uh, good Friday service is coming Friday at 6.30. And, of course, we have our, our Easter Sunday worship service next Sunday. So uh, just looking forward to being with you guys uh, this week. And uh, I am reading out of John chapter 7, uh, verse 37 through 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he said, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Uh, We're going to pray together, and then we'll have a time of worship. I've asked my friend uh, Aaron to lead us in prayer. Uh, Father God, we ask that as we go into this worship service that you would uh, just help us to turn our hearts and our eyes towards you, Lord. Uh, we pray for those who are not with us today, and we ask that you would be uh, with them, Father, those who are out sick or, or with illness. Father, we ask for healing and that your hand would be upon them. In your name I pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Would you now stand with us for a time of worship? I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness love your voice You have led me through the fire And in darkness night You are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend I have lived in the goodness So, so good. With every breath that I am able, 
sinking sand So stomp your feet and clap your hands Our feet are on the rock On cross the solid rock I stand on the ground It's sinking sand So stomp your feet and clap your hands Our feet are on the rock On cross the solid rock I stand on the ground It's sinking sand So stomp your feet and clap your hands Our feet are on the rock
Some of y'all have asked over the years where the baptistry is. Here it is. Uh, this is a little bit odd. I see all of y'all eyeball to eyeball. And I always forget how strange that is when I'm up here. Um, but this morning we have a tremendous privilege, right? This is right up there with weddings and baby dedications and all of the wonderful things that a local church gets to do. Um, and it is not something that we create. It's something that uh, the Holy Spirit does in our local body, um, that these candidates, I guess that's the right word uh, for baptism this morning, have decided to stand up here and give testimony to the faith that they have in Jesus Christ and their readiness to embrace the ministry that Christ has for them in the local church. And those are the two things that we talk about. Uh, the church at large is often pretty confused about what baptism actually does. And so I'd like to let you in on a little bit of the class that we have uh, for people, and that is uh, decide, basically telling the, the candidates what baptism does and doesn't do. And one of the big things it doesn't do is it doesn't get you to heaven when you die. There's only one way 
to do that, and that is simply by believing in Jesus Christ. Uh, that is Jesus' own words. That's a direct quote. He who believes in me has, today, present tense, eternal life. One of the reasons we know that it doesn't have anything to do with you going to heaven when you die is because Jesus himself was baptized. And so when we create our theology of baptism, we have to incorporate that information. What did baptism do for Jesus? Jesus has life. He is life. He possesses it. And so he was proclaiming at that time, I am life. I have life. And if you want it, you get it through me. And I'm ready now to minister publicly in the way that God has placed before me. Legitimately, that is the parallel. And so we don't have to play games with what baptism meant for Jesus and what it means for these who are getting baptized today. It's exactly the same thing. They are standing here before you to say that they have life in Jesus Christ, and they are ready to serve in the way that Christ would have them serve in the local body. So it's tremendously exciting, tremendously exciting for us. Um, they're up there. Y'all come on up. Start coming this way. Um, I didn't say y'all could come up while I was talking. I think that we're out of order. So Abel, Abraham, Israel, Ellie, Landon, come on up. And y'all can line up after that however you will. I basically told them shortest to tallest, but I don't want to insult anybody. Come on up, Abel. Come on this way. We're going to help you in. I'm going to go ahead and set this chair down because we have some folks that are not yet as tall as uh, they will be. So we're going to set them up here. All right. Abel, you want to come on down? You can come down the steps here. Well, it's a little bit tight. You can hold my hand. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get that towel around to the other side. All right, I'm going to stand on this chair here, Abel. I think we decided that it was a little bit, you're almost, almost. Why don't you stand up on the chair? That way, yeah, there's your mom. So make sure you look at your mom there. All right, so Abel, we've talked about what baptism is. And uh, you said that you would just like me to ask you the questions, right, that we ask. Because that's biblically all we're trying to confirm here. A lot of people force these kids to preach a sermon while they're getting baptized. We don't do that. Don't see any biblical warrant for it. But, uh, Abel, can you tell me today whether you believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life? Yes. All yes. right. And do you want to follow Jesus in your life? Yes. All right. That's all we need. Do you have anything else you want to say? No? All right. Just thought I'd check. All right. Well, Abel, turn around and turn this way. Now we're going to... You're going to be a good example for everybody that's watching right there because we're going to now cross your arm and there we go. So remember, if you get water in your nose and mouth, it's your fault. All right. All right. So, Abel, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ and your desire to follow him in your life, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Y'all can come on up here and line up unless you're nervous. It's okay. We're not in a hurry. This is the main teaching time for today. Come on down, Abraham. You want to stand on the chair, Abraham? I think you probably should. You're pretty close to it's your cousin, right? Abel's your cousin? Yeah. Quite good name. I think that was Abel Uzziah. Is that correct, Monica? Abel Uzziah. Abraham, what's your middle name? Oh, okay. Man, you got some big names. Got some big names. Now, Abraham, I'm already got you turned around here. 
Um, whenever I asked anybody to read anything in our baptism class, Abraham was like this. So I know he's, he's, he's decisive. He wants to be decisive. Uh, so Abraham, I'm going to ask you the same questions that I asked Abel, and that is, do you believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life? And do you want to follow him in obedience with your life? Yes. All right. Remember how to hold your hand? There we go. Perfect. Make sure you close your mouth. All right. Because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, that makes you a child of God justified perfectly, and because of your desire to follow him in obedience with your life, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. chair. You need the chair, Israel? The chair is mostly for me, because I don't know if I can bend down that far, but you want to do the chair or no? No chair. All right. We're done then. All righty. So, Israel, I'm going to ask you the same question. You don't have, you do, you're the one the ones that just wants me to ask the questions, right? All right. That's what I thought. That's okay. That's perfect. Um, Israel, do you believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life? Yes. You do? And do you want to follow him in obedience all the days of his life? He does. All right. Well, go ahead and, and hold your arms away. We say out there. Remember, water is your fault, not mine. And you know. All right. There we go. Because of your profession of faith, Israel, and because of your desire to follow Jesus with your life and your decisions and your actions, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. tales of people just accidentally baptizing themselves coming down the stairs, so we try to avoid that. Uh, Ellie is Israel's sister. That's De La Pena's family here. We have a couple of, three De La Pena's today, don't we? And uh, Ellie, I'm just going to ask you those same questions, because as I recall, that's what you wanted me to do. Do you believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life? And do you want to follow him with your life? And obedience? All right. All righty. Now you've seen a couple, there we go. All right. Uh, Ellie, because of your professional faith in Jesus Christ and because of your proclamation that you want to follow him with your decisions, thoughts, and actions in your life, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Questions or are we testimony? Are we questions? Or am I asking you questions or are we doing testimony? Asking questions. Yes. The two questions. Okay. All right. Do you believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life, Adeline? Mm -hmm. You want to follow him in obedience with your life? Yep. All righty. 
Move over this way a little bit. You're a little taller. All right. Because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, and because of your proclamation that you want to follow him in obedience with your life, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It doesn't do much good if you come in here with the towel. We, we obviously, I missed, I'm not an administrative genius, folks. I didn't remind everybody what to do on every little detail. Okay, Mercedes. Now, as I recall, you have, you wanted to give some testimony. Yes or no? Are you still want to do that? Yes, I, I can. Well, you don't have to. Would you like to? just uh, wanted to say how grateful I am to be here today with you. I was born and raised in the Mormon church and um, I've been able to uh, come to know our Lord and Savior in a different way uh, through reading the Bible and I'm just so grateful uh, for his word for us and I know that it brings us a lot of um, truth and a lot of peace and I'm grateful that he left the 99 for me. Mercedes? Do you believe in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life? Yes. And you want to follow him in obedience with your life? Yes. All right. Make sure you close me. There we go. All right. Great. Because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ alone, and because of your desire to follow him with your life, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, Transfer the towel, yeah. Probably. It's up to you. All right, then. All right. We do this, uh, yeah. Let's make sure we got plenty of room to go backwards. All right. Anthony, uh, do you believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life? Yes. And would you like to follow him uh, with your decisions, thoughts, and actions? Because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life, and because of your desire to follow Him in obedience with your thoughts and actions and words, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is a special privilege for me. Um, this is my son, Micah. He is uh, one of my two oldest sons, and I have gotten uh, had the privilege of baptizing all of them, and this makes the full set for me, so I'm excited about that. Um, he's not excited that I just told you that, <laughs> but I don't care. So, so Micah's used to that also. Um, Micah, do you believe in Jesus for eternal life? Yes. And would you like to follow him? decisions that you make in your life in obedience. I 
your profession of faith in Jesus Christ and your commitment to follow him in obedience with your life. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Church, we do have one more song that we're going to sing while I get divested of this contraption. But I'd like us to join together in prayer and celebration this morning. Father, we thank you for this day, and we do thank you for the absolute privilege and joy that it is to celebrate along with these who have been baptized today. And Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to hear a testimony that the truth regarding your son and the receiving of eternal life and the wonders that come along with obedience are relevant to today. That they're not simply words in a book that was written long ago, but that they are relevant to each of our lives today. And we thank you that you have not left us without testimony and reminder of that. But I thank you for each of these who have decided today that they would proclaim their willingness to serve you in whatever way you would have them to do. We thank you for that. And it's your son's name we pray. Amen. Stand with us for one song.
may be seated. Well, good morning again. Um, wonderful celebration this morning, isn't it? And I meant it. I'm not going to, I'm only going to preach for a couple hours this morning instead of one. I'm just kidding, um, but we do want to talk about the application of some of the things that we witnessed this morning. That is the tremendous teaching moment, right, when we have the declaration by eight folks this morning that God's grace is relevant to them, that it's important to them, that it's the thing that guides their life, grants them life, and that is relevant today, and that is a needed testimony in the world, isn't it? Because people are… Uh, making all sorts of decisions other than what God would have them to do um, in this life. But we're going to take a break this morning. As we, this, is all, this is tall even for me, and I want to tell you that is something. Um, so anyway, we'll see what we can do here. I think it's gotten locked down. But um, we're going to take a break from First Peter this morning, uh, which is not something that we normally do, but we also don't have baptisms every Sunday. So we're going to we're going to take this the way it comes. We're going to look at another passage, you know, because we're celebrating today. And I think I probably, meant, I may mention this every time I get to do a baptism or a baby dedication or a wedding, uh, that earlier in my ministry, much of the opportunity that I was given to preach the Word of God, to minister to people in a pastoral way, I would guess up to 75% of it for a number of years was essentially doing funerals, uh, funerals for hire as a matter of fact, for people that I did not know um, and that I really, <laughs> you have to talk about Jesus a whole lot when you don't know the people. And I remember thinking over those years, I never turned one down. I never turned one down. I never didn't do it. Um, but, and it's an important privilege that we have to minister to people in that time, right? Everybody. Uh, hopefully, if you've ever been through that experience, you have been ministered to faithfully by somebody, whether they knew you well or not. Um, and so I thank the Lord for the privilege of being able to do that. At the same time, occasionally, I wanted to do a baby dedication or a wedding or a baptism, right? I remember thinking, going, Lord, um, I'm not sure that I can keep this particular ratio of preaching and teaching ministry up for life. I have given you my life. You tell me what to do. But just physically, I'm not sure that I can continue to do multiples of these a month, which in some cases it was. Um, 
on the fly, very quick, very short notice usually, shorter than normal. And I remember just praying, praying, Lord, that you would give me other opportunities. And he has done that, actually. He has provided that opportunity um, to celebrate, right? And, and that's part of the issue when you don't know somebody. You're not sure that it's a celebration, right? You're not sure that the person is a believer. You're not sure that they're with Jesus. And so you can speak generally. You say, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ has eternal life and celebrates with him. And this is a home going for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. You see the difference? You're expressing hope, but you're not expressing necessarily personal hope. And so, um, it was difficult, right? But the Lord has answered that prayer to a, a large degree, and I'm thankful for it personally. I, I mean, I'm not asking you to be thankful for it, but I sure am, that I get to celebrate and rejoice with people like this. It's always exciting for me. I mean, this is my exciting face, right? The, the, the Meyer face is just like this all the time. Everyone's like, are you excited or are you mad? Um, those are not mutually exclusive. I can be excited. It's just my, my face. You don't like it? Sorry. It's the only one I got. But I thought I'd take this opportunity to remind us, right? Because that's much of what we need at times like this, to remind us of what is happening in the body, how we function, what our, our role is, uh, what God's design is for us, right? Because we've had testimony this morning that each and every one of those who was baptized made two proclamations, that they believe in Jesus for eternal life, thus they have it, a gift from which they cannot be deprived, they cannot lose it, they cannot have it taken away. Those are perfect possessions of theirs. And because of that perfect gift that they have, they have proclaimed that they are willing and desirous of serving the body and in the way that Christ would have them do, right? Very important. Um, and when you see somebody that has to stand on a chair to be visible over the baptistry, some of y'all might not take that commitment very seriously. But I do. And the Bible does. Scripture does. Christ does takes that commitment very, very seriously, he has a place for them to serve. We function together, right? And they've, done, they've made a proclamation that they intend and are committed to doing that. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now you remember 1 Corinthians 12 uh, is there any other more dysfunctional church in the New Testament other than the church at Corinth? I've told you all this before, but back when I was looking for a church to pastor, uh, there was um, a, a listing that popped up years, years ago. I still remember it, though, because it, it literally sent a, shiver, sent a shiver up my spine. It was the First Baptist Church of Corinth, Corinth, Texas. And I was like, Lord, <laughs> that sounds ominous to me. I'm not sure that I can do that. Um, just the, the word. I mean, Corinthiazomai uh, became a term that was coined in Greek to describe terrible immoral behavior. That's how, that's how the town was. That's how the city was. That's how the church was. But this is where Paul tells them, look, no matter what you're doing, this is how the body is supposed to function. This is how you're supposed to view it. 
because they needed to hear it the most, perhaps. So we're going to go to this passage, and we're going to read, right? So even as the body, verse 12, even as the body is one, and it has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. In other words, Christ, when he was incarnated, was not incarnated into a bunch of little chunks. We don't teach that he was dispersed into all of humanity, but he was a unique individual in one body, incarnated into one flesh with a genealogy that we have in Scripture. And to be in him is to share in him as a unique individual. We are one body in him. For by one spirit, verse 13, we were all baptized into one body. All baptized into one body. Now, we talked about this in our, in our baptism class, what the word baptize means. Uh, the word baptize does not mean to dunk another human underwater. It means to immerse something. It can be used. Uh, normally, it was used for cloth originally, that you would take a white cloth and immerse it into dye. We have a couple of burgeoning hippies in our church, by the way. They came over to my house, and we're doing tie-dye. This is the same idea, right? They, they come out, and it, you're not a burgeoning hippie? It's okay. You did tie-dye. The only people I know that do tie-dye, I know nobody that goes to tractor supply for tie-dye supplies, and that's where I get my clothes. Um, but that's the idea. Once you put it in the dye, it ne it's never the same. The identity is always as a dyed cloth. And that is the idea, right? So when Paul says that you were baptized by one spirit, he's saying you are identified and you're identified permanently without fail forever by the identity that the spirit has granted you. That is not the same thing as what we just did today. That's water baptism. That is a proclamation, a testimony to the baptism of the spirit that has identified you forever. That is for the church. That is for the church to know that those people have committed to behave in an obedient way in the local church and serve according to God's plan in the church. But the baptism by the Spirit is what gives us our identity in Christ. Right? Just nod your heads. See, there are people that disagree with me. All I'm asking is, did you just understand what I said? Okay? If you want to disagree with me, I've got all sorts of connectivity. You can do that after. But that's what we're seeing in Scripture. That's what Scripture teaches. So if you want to argue, bring Bible, because that's what I'm going to do. Got Bible, and the Spirit gives us an identity within this body. For by one Spirit, we were all identified or baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks. Jews or Greeks. That may not sound horrendous to you. Does it? Maybe you might understand better if I were to say Jews and Samaritans. How likely was it to get or Jews and Samaritans to get along? Jews and Samaritans did not get along at all. They would walk around each other's country, essentially to avoid even entering into the zip code. It got worse, right? Jews and Greeks, that's just the, the, for the nations around them, essentially what um, the goyim, they would call it in, in the Old Testament, the nations, the peoples, the, you know, yeah. right? The Jews and the Greeks. The spirit baptism is capable of taking people who hate each other, 
who consider each other entirely other, who are racists towards each other, towards each other. Isn't that a buzzword today, right? Yes? No? All sorts of isms out there, all of them get connected to racism, but then you have other things, right? Somehow, somebody who didn't know what bathroom to use came up and shot up a school in Nashville, and somehow that is the fault of the Christians. Did you catch that? You need to go look and use the phrasing that they're using, right? The isms, the hate, right? And in the strongest terms that Paul was able to use to the church at Corinth, you guys are saying that your, your small group ministry is part of your faction problem. You have some people in your church who are saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Jesus. Those are the real Christians, you know, all in the same church. You guys are so close, you're close and you can't get along. Understand that the spirit baptism takes people who hate each other, baptizes them into one body, and says you have the power and the responsibility to serve each other together in the local body, the Jews and the Greeks. Slaves are free. Again, totally distinct, divided groups of people within the same social construct. The one baptism of the Spirit gives you one identity in one body. We were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body, verse 14, is not one member, one part but many. That's kind of the definition of a body, right? It's not the only body that we talk about. It's not that it's unique that the church is called a body. Y'all are all parts of the body of Christ by virtue of the life that you have by grace through faith alone and Christ alone. That's who you are. But everything that we call a body has members, when I was in junior high, we talked about something we called the simple cell. You know why we called it a simple cell? Anybody remember? Because originally it was thought that it had only one part. Well, you need to look a little closer. Because if it's an organism, it has a body, and it has more component parts to it. It has parts, even though it's one cell. It has pieces. Everything that we call a body has multiple parts. The body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. Now, you may not understand what he's saying. You can't complain your way out of this. You can't complain your way out of it. You can't get offended on your way out of it, right? Right? You are, by virtue of your faith in Jesus Christ, a part of the body, and God has a designed portion of it for you to play, and that's not up for discussion if you're a believer in Jesus Christ because you don't like the way God stuck you with the other parts of the body. I grew up in a wood shop. Most people, when I tell them that, don't believe me because... I have 10 fingers. 
Some of them are crooked. Some of them don't work quite right, but I have 10 of them. My dad, before he became a professional woodworker, was a professional meat cutter. Even fewer fingers among professional meat cutters. Several of them would have toes put on when they sliced off their thumb, right? They made the decision that it was better to have a part of the body stuck in a place it didn't go rather than to have it missing. Right? God doesn't have that problem. He doesn't permit amputations. But you need to understand, right, that he's placed you in a part that is in a particular function that needs to be played, and he doesn't make mistakes, and there are no accidents. He can't, you can't just, whoops, excise yourself and stick another piece in there. And it doesn't work, by the way. You stick your big toe on your thumb, all you have is an ugly hand. You're, you're done texting, guys. You're done. Voice to text it is. Good luck. Good luck. As if all the members are, are many, but there's one body, right? And if the ear says, because I'm not an ear, I'm not a part of the body, it is for this reason, is it for, not for this reason any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? That you need those functions. You need those functions. People ask me, what part do I think pastors are? I always tell them it's the big toe. Pastors are the big toe. Not much to look at. Nobody knows what they do until they're gone. Right? Pastors are the big toes of the body of Christ. But you get the picture, right? If all you can do is hear, then you can't speak. I would have stuck in there like I wasn't a biblical author, but I would have said if everybody's a mouse. <laughs> but it's not there. We don't have a problem with everybody being ears. Can I just say that? He who has an ear, let him hear, as the Bible would say. We don't have a problem with everybody being ears too much. Uh, frequently, we do have a problem with everybody being a mouth. But there are many members. They're part of one body. Absolutely. Right? Now, the body is not one member, but many. Verse 18, God, but now, there's a little bit of a contrast here. But now, God has placed the members. See, because sometimes people come to me and they say, Pastor, where can I serve? And they look at me like I'm nuts when I say, well, where do you want to serve? They want me to tell them where God wants them placed. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not my job. (laughs) I'll help you. I'll see what is it that you like to do? What have other people, you know, trying to figure out what you're gifted to do? But you serve the Lord, and the Lord is the one who placed you in that position to serve. So as a church, we have a different responsibility. We are not placing people. We are not supposed to strategize a bunch of programs and put a bunch of square pegs into round holes and say, this is what you're going to do now because we are the collective. We are not a collective. We are a body. Right? You know the difference, a collective, everybody does the same thing, it gets the same result. We're a body. You know this, right? Um, 
there are certain parts of my body through, you know, extreme use that have developed certain resistances. It's very, very hard for me to squish my toes. I've been dropping stuff on my feet since I was a little kid. My feet hardly feel it anymore. You can see right here, so we're taking trusses down off of our garage yesterday, and I was flipping one over, and a piece came off of it and whacked me right in the jaw. It doesn't have quite the same resistance, does it? You have a design. You have gifts that allow you to function and, and to engage the liabilities and the risks that come along with that. You function the way God has placed you where he wants you to be. He does that. And he does according to the function he's made them for. So why do we need to remember that? Did you not already know some of that? You probably knew a lot of it. Remember, I said it was a reminder. It's a reminder. I need the reminder. I do. I need to remember that each part of the body has a function to play, and no one part of the body, no one part of the body is supposed to do everything. That's the corollary to this. And if you know me, guys, you know that I'm a fairly extreme DIY guy. Fairly extreme as they go. Um, and it's a constant struggle for me to fight that in church ministry, actually. I, we all need to fight that, taking on things that are meant for other, other parts of the body to do. But why do we need to remember that today? Well, one of the things is that you'll notice that most of those who were baptized today were children, right? What is true of the children? They're believers in Jesus Christ. They have eternal life because they believe in Him. And they have chosen today to proclaim to you that they are committed to serving the Lord in the place that He has placed them in the body. Because a lot of times you hear, like when you go around preaching like I did, the other part of what I did was the itinerant pulpit ministry. I didn't get to ride the mule, but I was somewhere all the time years back, and most of the churches that had me come and preach had zero children in them. And you would hear them say, we need children, children are the future of the church. And that's sort of true, but that's not complete, is it? Is it? Children are the future of the church. The reason they're the future of the church is because they're the now of the church. They're the present of the church. They are those in the body of Christ who stood before you today and said, I believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life, and I want to serve him obediently with my life. Now, that's pretty countercultural. Not just in churches, but in the culture at large, isn't it? I find people pretty continually that don't even consider their 35-year-old children grown-ups yet. Right? No? Am I just being old and grumpy? I don't think so. That's a real thing. So think about what that says. If you're infantilizing even your grown-up children, how long are you going to make the church wait before you get out of the way of those young people serving? It's a rhetorical question. I know sometimes you can't tell the difference. 
How long should we wait before we recognize that God has placed them in the body of Christ, where he desires to have them, where it is his good pleasure to have them placed and to serve? One of the reasons that we, uh, we have people in our worship team about a decade before they're allowed almost anywhere else, and I use that word particularly because I have been in churches that literally had an age requirement. It's roughly around the time that Joe Biden says you're old enough to buy a cigarette before they'll let you up on the stage to even sing a note in big church. That's horrendous. They're part of the body of Christ. They're not just the future, they are the now. No matter how much knowledge they've already acquired, and some of those kids have a lot of knowledge. Some of them have spent years already in Awana. They have more Bible memorized than most of the grown-ups in here. They have a lot of knowledge. But no matter what their background is, no matter what their experience is, God has placed them in the body of Christ where he desires them to be, and he has a function within the body for them to play, for them to fulfill. So we need to recognize that, that our basic objective here is to not be an obstacle to them serving where God has placed them to be. And one of the things that we've had a blessing with here over the years in El Paso Bible Church is that we really don't struggle with some of the things that I have seen struggled with a lot of places. And that you've heard of the 80-20 rule in life, that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. That's, people will tell you that's institutionally true across the board. You walk into an office, you walk into a construction site, especially a Department of Transportation construction site, evidently. You have 80% of the work being done by 20% of the people and everybody else is leaning on a shovel, figuratively or literally. In church, I would say it's, always, it's usually worse than that. It's usually like 97-3, that 97% of the work is done by 3% of the people. Not here, though. Not here. I know we have a good number of visitors here. Thank you all for coming. Appreciate you all being here. But within the body of El Paso Bible Church, I can say virtually without exception that you all have a ministry that you do, that you're committed to. And that you serve the Lord in. And I thank you for that. But the reminder is, is that as more and more of these young people grow and are a part of this body, we need to allow some wiggle room for us to wiggle apart and allow them to serve in the way that they are gifted to do. So thank you again. And make sure that you congratulate those that got baptized today. It's a celebration, and we're going to rejoice with them today. But that's all, folks. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the promises that we have embraced, that we have life by grace through faith alone in your Son alone, and that you have a place designed for us to serve and to rejoice in, in the local body. We thank you for that, and we love you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us? We'll dismiss with a song.